spirit leading this realm There's a God up in heaven, there's a devil in hell There's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying And the father in jail, with a son by his side But our father, he loves us, unlike any of us Gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross I know where you're going, if you live in that light Don't be perfect among us, but in the dark we are light Spreading the news If you live in a lie You ain't gonna die with the truth This is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant The show is about the topical, the conversational But most importantly, the purposeful We hope to develop and distribute hope to the broken We pray that this show blesses you today all right, we're back at it again. This is Matt and Mom Live. It's real, it's raw, it is relevant. We thank you for tuning in today. We are continuing from where we left off last week with our anniversary edition. This would be episode two, Mom, yes. to our anniversary edition. If you missed last week, the anniversary isn't um, based on the birth of the show. This show has been on for several years at this point. This is the first year anniversary of me being out. Yes, special anniversary for our family. So you got questions for me like an interview and you asked me two last week which ran the entire length and I said at the end of the show last week that I probably could take those same two questions today and give you entirely different answers not because they're not true but there's so much that I could possibly share based on each thread so as we continue today we do hope that whatever we share today is relevant and practical for where you are and like anything Matt Yes, on any given day, we could change, oh, yeah, maybe this is more important or less important. But our listeners need to know that we always pray prior to the show that the Holy Spirit would bring forth that which the Lord sees as important. So we hope that these um, little uh, instances from our own life uh, that we are sharing would touch your hearts and you'd say, wow, that's just where I am. And that was the questions that I had about my own situation. But today, again, we're going to start out with some more questions to Matt, and we'll probably do that the whole month of August. Hopefully, these things, as I said, would touch your heart. But first, I wanted to say, Matt, what were some of, what was a few of the things that you looked forward to? Because I have to tell everybody that prior to Matt going to prison, he was a foodie. And he was ruled by his stomach. And I went to great lengths to think the day he got out, the special foods that he loved, the wing it and Chinese food and hibachi, that all of that would excite him. And I, I really felt like none of it phased him. And that was quite shocking to me. Oh, you can't eat it all at the same time. So it was like whatever you guys served up or wherever my friends took me, I'd eat what that was. So it wasn't like I have to have ice cream or I have to have filet mignon. It was like that'll happen over time. And at the end of the day – I had con- done a complete transformation of no longer being driven by my appetite, my physical man or the material man or the central man. And that really had to do with what we talked about last week was the transformation was so deep. It was finally allowing Jesus to live his life through me. And Can I interrupt for one second? Because I will verify that in the year that he has been out, People ask me, what changes have you seen? And I would say that my biggest change that I've seen, other than your amazing spiritual transformation, in the physical realm, your lack of interest in food still. You almost seem to eat mechanically. 
which I really attribute to the fact that you're so driven and motivated spiritually that you are not ruled by your appetite, which many of us are. I think it was a, a forced change because they really um, do a good job of diminishing your intake in yeah, prison. Yeah, but no, Matt. I no, but I'm, I'm saying this. I got so caught you up. You should all go to prison to lose some weight. But anyway, go ahead. I got so caught up in a good way with the downtime, the work, the reading, the typing, the letter writing, which was a ministry in itself, receiving mail from all over the world and using that as a platform to send a little piece of Jesus to whatever location was writing me. And a lot of times I was like, hey, we're, we're hoping that you're doing okay. And I was able to say, I've never been freer. I'm at peace. I hope you're doing okay. How can I pray for you? Um, so within those time frames, not necessarily losing my appetite, but being so engaged in the time that God had given me, you might hear me repeat that, so engaged with the time that God had given me. Oh, yes, it was a prison, but it was still time. So I always said to the guys, hey, there's a free man in Paris right now with the same 24 hours as you and I. We're just locked up. Who is going to use that 24 hours wiser, better? Who do you think God is going to bless? The man who's recklessly using his time, though he's free? Or the man who's locked up, but he's taking advantage of the time. So there were times where I would get, I would miss meals. I'd be working, I'd be writing because I knew that I had to get this done. I knew that I would not have the same amount of time in a weird way when I got out. I knew that I wouldn't have hours, mom, to spend on writing manuscripts for books. You see my day. Do I have time to do that stuff? No, I'm kind of caught up in ministry and other activities. But the point is, little John used to have to be like, yo, homeboy, you got to eat. And it's not that I was, wasn't interested. I used to love eating when he would make these awesome meals. But I think just being so driven and, and purposeful with the other areas of life, which involved what I'm doing currently today, really um, God was allowing me to develop all this in that time to deploy it in this time. Right. And that's so interesting because the two things I could think of that I thought you would voraciously seek after are the two things that are very fleshy, which is one food and to sleep. And in prison, food and sleep were the two things that you minimized. Most people would want to stay in bed to pass those they hours. They were. They were maximized. And it is amazing to me, and I believe, Matt, that when we get to some of the blessings that God has put before you, some of the opportunities, some of the platforms, that was all nourished and seeded in prison when you did not place the priorities of the flesh over the priorities of the spirit, which is awesome. Right. So I think for all of us, that's, you know what? Maybe we need to get up an hour earlier and spend some alone time with God instead of in the comfort of our own beds. Or if we're young parents and we're like, oh, I'm tired anyway, God will increase your time when you start giving it to him. And the same thing for food. What can I say about food? We are a country that is ruled by our appetites. And so... They're just watching the way you have really probably just put food in the right perspective. It's there to nourish the body when it needs to eat, but it's not an obsession. So I think that that's two cool, just practical points, not only spiritual, but practical. So, all right, now you're out of prison and um, I want to know what are, what are some of the things you look forward to? I used to think I can't wait till Matt can swim in a pool or jump in the ocean. We live in the beautiful seashore area. Just those things. Did they ever cross your mind? Did you, did you, I remember planting all kinds of flowers. I wanted the yard to look beautiful. Did, 
Did any of that strike you? Were your senses on a hypervigilance or no? Yeah, the senses were definitely heightened, but it was a different type of heightening. It was like I was very aware of what was going on around me, which always involved humans, individuals, because while you're there, that's what you have to be on alert for. Your peers, even a minor disagreement with somebody that you kind of, you know, you're cool with, but not really. I mean, that can turn deadly. I've seen guys that you thought were cool in one moment, the next moment, there's blood everywhere. And you're saying, what just happened? So you had to be hypervigilant, not only with your peers, but even with the guards. You had to know who was walking down that tier, which guard was on duty, which supervisor was on duty. So all these things are going on. And little John used to say, you're being like assaulted right now by everything. You're being assaulted in the, your, the senses, what you smell, what you see, what you hear. I mean, constant curse words from 6 a.m. to midnight, just constant. And you would hear F that you would hear everything just constant and loud and arguments and disputes. So all those senses are heightened. So it was almost like when I got out, I was able to enjoy silence. Not the silence that I was learning to cultivate on the inside between me and God. Silence on the outside. What? You mean I can walk into a living room and not have to worry about anybody dropping 15 F-bombs? I mean, it was like, and over time, I refused to allow those type of words, like the F-word, B-I, you can finish my spelling, um, G-D, somebody using Jesus' name as a curse word, Jesus Christ, S-H. I refuse to be numb to those words, even though you heard them all day long. Every time I heard a word like that, something on the inside of me like screamed. It was like it just didn't ever sit well on me. So now that I'm out, when I hear a curse word, I'm immediately, I immediately hear it, and I'm almost like, oh, I, I don't miss that. But my senses have heightened in other areas, not necessarily visually. Like I would notice the red of a flower more than I did in years past. I mean, forgive me for saying this. I was never interested in that stuff anyway. Like I would look at the sky and say, wow, that's a beautiful sunset. But now I'm quick to accredit the beautiful sunset to who could deny that there's a creator and maker behind that? I mean, you can't even paint, produce – um, with the computer, that type of imagery. So I see all that stuff differently. It wasn't like I had to go to the beach. You know, one of the weird things was I couldn't wait to take my shoes off. I could not wait to feel carpet on my bare feet. And people are like, that's kind of strange. No, it's not. You don't have uh, – you, you're in surface beneath your feet for over X amount of years, and that place is concrete. It's dirt. It's grime. You can't take your shoes off. Nobody takes their shoes off. You're either wearing shoes or sandals. You don't even shower without your shoes on. You got shower sandals. So I couldn't wait to take my shoe off, my sock off, and just feel carpet. You know, that's funny because your auntie knew that, and she wanted to go out and get a bunch of sample carpets to line the concrete from the driveway when you got out of the car. And I'm like, you've lost your mind, and we're not doing that. No, funny thing is I get that question in my assemblies with the students and Sarah will be in the background like she's dressed up, looks very beautiful and she'll have like the camera and that question I'm like, what was the first thing you looked forward to when you got out? And Sarah, you should see her do it. She'll like, she'll throw her hair back like in the air 
thinking my answer is going to be, <laughs> I could not wait to spend time with my fiance or now, my now wife. And she's like, and he's going to say, of course, me, he missed me. And you know what he says? I say the carpet thing. Because I want them to understand the perspective of what they take for granted when they go home and they can kick their shoes off or the toothbrush they use, which is X amount of inches that fits into your mouth and it's just something you do menially. Meanwhile, the toothbrush that they give you in prison is about an inch and a half. It's an inch and a half. And you have to literally stick your fingers in your mouth to reach the back of your teeth. What was your first shower like outside of prison? Oh, that, that was probably just awesome. I mean, you didn't have somebody in the curtain next to you. It wasn't grimy and filthy. I mean, you, you have people that really try their best. Wait, to... what do you mean in the curtain next to you? Just like not not too much information. But so there's a line of people waiting to use a shower. How many showers well, were there? There was only two showers for 38 people. So after wreck, there'd be a line oh. down the tier. But there's two showers next to each other with a, a dividing curtain. That was it. So you could see through the dividing curtain, but that was your privacy. So there was no privacy, essentially. The toilet, the shower, the bathroom, open. Even a guard could walk down a, the, the wing, even a female guard, and look over the little gate and see you on the toilet. I mean that's how – that is how humiliating it is to be sitting on a toilet and have a female who's doing her rounds because she works there look in to make sure you're not doing anything you shouldn't be doing. Wow. Yeah, that was probably like one of my biggest fears too. Like having to go to the bathroom in front of people yeah, or shower. I can't even imagine. But again. It's, it's different. As an athlete, you you have to do that in a locker room. But it's just a different setting. Right. Not- and and I just think, you know what, just finishing The Hiding Place by Corey Tenboom, the human spirit is so resilient. And it's amazing what it, you know, is able to do to get through trying situations. So that's interesting, though. And I, I always thought a shower would be probably... <laughs> So appreciated. Yeah, by. shower and regular clothes. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. Matt Putting also on. was a clothes horse prior to prison. And I have to say, Matt, you still are. Why? Well, loves- I, I like to look professional. I like to look good. I yeah. believe that's part of the platform. If you're speaking to students or college-age kids or even adults. You've and, always you know, liked fashion, though. Of course, but not at the level. I'll, I'll go to Marshall's, Mom, and right. make sure that I buy something that is cheaper but still looks good. I just believe that's part of it. I don't think, you know, you take this how you want. Most people listening, um, I don't think Jesus was a slob. I don't think that he uh, carried himself in public as like a disgrace where somebody would say, man, he's a little sloppy. I think that he was always well put together. He was well thought out. He was well spoken. Everything he did was calculated and measured. There's an example in that, not because he was fully God, but that because he was fully man. I mean, he's the standard. And I often sit back and think, how did he do this life? How did he do ministry? How was he engaged and interacted with the least of these, the other people that he came into contact with? How did he look at them? How did he touch them? Did he put his hand on their back? Did he take that extra emphasis on making sure that person knew that he cared for them? So I try to attack my, my ministry obligations like that. And hopefully the people that are in contact with me leave saying, hey, that was a taste of God. Um, Here's a little cool story, and you can go on to the next question. It involved a priest, and the priest offered a little boy a a cup of water, and the the boy um, declined it. And the priest said, are you sure? I just want to give you this cup of water. And the the boy declined it again, and the the boy asked basically why he felt the need to offer him a cup of water. And the priest basically gave a profound message in such a simple answer was, I serve a master who always made people feel not only welcomed but that he always left them 
better off than when they originally met. He said, so I just wanted to extend to you something that would make you better off than when we originally met. So, Mom, literally, when I leave like a room and the guys make fun of me, we'll have our leadership meeting on a Monday in Starbucks. Me, the associate pastor, the main pastor, Pastor Matt Stokes, and our administrator, and we'll sit at this table. And when we're done the meeting, they got to know me so well that they notice that I start fixing the chairs. I'll fix all the chairs and make sure they're all tucked in. And in that is some OCD. But the other reality is I want to leave that place, that setting, better than when we got there. Not only as a representation of God, but a reflection of the church that I work at. And you never know who's watching uh, two tables away. And we're talking about ministry and they're overhearing it. We're talking about God and how we can make Ocean City a better place. And then we get up and none of us slide our chairs in and we leave it sloppy. You don't think they're taking that? In the consideration, I guarantee you they are. Yeah, that's a great point for us to think about also in terms of when we go out, we're always on display if we say the minute we... Even to a waiter or waitress. Exactly. How we tip, how we Absolutely. respond when our food is not correct. Absolutely. I'm huge on that. Oh, uh, me too. I don't care really what it tastes like because if I have to say something, it would be like, hey, if you don't mind, then it's right. fine if you can't. Yeah, that's, but that's how Christ would do it. Because if they've seen me bow my head to pray in a restaurant before my meal, I have already said to them that I stand for Christ. And right. therefore, how I act better measure up. Right. There's just nothing worse than seeing people. They just did a, a What Would You Do, that show that they do on television. And... It was in the South, and of course, everybody opened in prayer. You know, they're bowing their heads, they're showing the cameras, are showing the different tables. And the scenario was uh, there were people being very rude. And out of all of the people that they filmed, and I think it was five different tables at five different times, and every table bowed their head, only one table, an older gentleman and his wife, handled it with such Christian graciousness in the way they spoke, what they tried to say to the young woman who was being obnoxious, and the other tables that all bowed their head were like, why don't you just shut up? And Dad and I were sitting there watching it, and I said, wow, look at that. Every table bowed their head. They were all Christian, all believed in praying, but only one out of five passed that test, where the world that was watching that show would go, Wow, look how that one man responded. He responded like Christ. Right. Well, it's probably accurate to say one out of ten. I mean, that's the, the, the statistics. When Jesus healed ten lepers, they all left under the instruction of go show yourself to the priest. And that would basically authenticate that they were healed because nobody prior was ever healed of leprosy. Ten of them were healed. As they departed, only one returned. And thanked Jesus for it. That's the t- statistic, Mom, of, of one out of ten are really that grateful for when God does something. Or even in a situation you just explained, mostly one out of ten will respond with Christ's candor or the clothing of Christ. So um, we are um, – we, we got one more question now. Let's leave, a, leave with a question about um, what God has done really and we'll, then we'll, we'll – pick up next time well there's so much there i want to be able to to uh, do the whole show on some of the different things okay. that have happened in your life for instance That's fine. matt just had to give an eight minute testimony at a, a word of life camp in shroon lake new york eight minutes to put together all that god has done and you did it beautifully because you just did kind of captions i was here 
I was that, and this is who I am now. So we're going to go through some of the uh, some of the offices that God has put you in. We'll put it that way, meaning for one, a husband, right. but we have many, many other ones. So we'll talk about that uh, our next show. All right, sounds good. Many opportunities, really, not of me, not what I pursued, not what I tried to work out myself, um, not only because I would have probably made a big mess even when I got out if I tried to assert me and, and just take a job or opportunity for the sake of being back in society. And I kind of waited, and I said this to Little John last night on the phone, uh, like a waiter. What does a waiter do? Well, they're still serving their tables, but they're still waiting. I love it. You're waiting, but you're still serving. And having that mindset, I waited and I served where God allowed me. And he's blessed me with opportunities that no man can explain. And I usually end all testimonies when I share with, how can you explain that there's a convicted felon standing before an audience with a microphone sharing anything? Who possibly would have given me this opportunity? And so quickly. And so quickly. So we thank you for tuning in. Again, this is the second edition to our anniversary show of uh, basically being out of prison for a year at this point. And I hope you can go back into the archives and listen to last week's episode and that you could share this episode. We thank you. We close all shows reminding you that the clearest testimony you have isn't the one you share for people to hear. It's the one you live for people to see. And as always, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. That is God speaking to your heart. We thank you. God bless. Pardon me for his grace. There's a battle out there, spiritly in this realm. There's a God up in heaven. There's a devil in hell. There's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying. And the father in jail, with a son by his side. But our father, he loves us, unlike any of us. Gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross. I know where you're going, if you live in that light. Though we're perfect among us, but in the dark we are light. Help me spread with the news. If you live in a lie, you ain't gon' die with the truth. doing something different. Nah. Don't you know they've been watching that block that you're on since before my time? Wow. So what makes you think that you're doing something different? You want to do something different? Put your faith in Christ. 